Medical information obtained from our website or on the live show is not intended to be a substitute for professional care. If you have, or you suspect you might, have an illness or other medical condition, you should consult a health care provider. The opinions expressed on this radio program are not necessarily those of the sports doctor, this radio show, or their sponsors. Hey everybody, welcome live from Chicago. It's the Sports Doctor. I'm Dr. Bob Weil, sports podiatrist. All things sports medicine, fitness, and wellness brought to you by Global Schoolwear, School Uniforms by Tommy Hilfiger, Lower Extremity Review, and MVP Parent Magazines, and UK Health Radio. Shout out Bruce Merrin Celebrity Speakers.com. Bruce's first clients in sports. Jackie Robinson and Muhammad Ali, that's how far back, Elvis Presley. Uh, it's exciting to be part of his group. You want to see what it's about, go to BruceMerrinCelebritySpeakers.com. Got a great doubleheader, Dr. Sean McMillan. He is the chief of orthopedics. He's the director of orthopedic sports medicine at Virtual Wilmingboro Medical Center in Jersey. He's an arthroscopic specialist. He returns. And Dr. Erica Steele, she's a holistic and natural medicine physician public health medicine, and she's also a speaker and author. Then the sports doctor's in. We'll add some Bob Guider wisdom and emails. First, let's welcome back Dr. Sean McWillan. Welcome back. Yeah, so uh, we, we've been on the show before, and I love being here. I'm an orthopedic sports medicine surgeon. Um, I'm a specialist here in South Jersey, right outside of Philadelphia for Virtua Health. Uh, and I, I really specialize in younger active patients. Uh, I have a large military population and, and young kids, high school, college athletes. You know, the um, crusade that you've been on uh, also involves uh, the uh, trying to back off these dependence post-surgery of the opioid medicines, you know, the epidemic with the pain pills. Talk a little bit about how you've included that in the practice and how well that's working. Yeah, so it's been a passion of mine and and my institutions uh, for a number of years, and we've sort of taken this multimodal approach where, it's not just about the meds, Bob, and we've talked about this before. It's about the education, preparing the patient for what it's going to be like after surgery, giving non-opioid alternatives as prescriptions to patients, uh, so that way they have uh, not just Percocet but other things as well to ease the pain. And then integrating modern medicine, nerve blocks and different agents to help minimize the pain. I think all those things go into the psychiatric component of what to expect and make for a smoother recovery. You know, it's interesting. Probably 95% of sports medicine is not surgical. So uh, all the importance of preventing problems uh, as well as, you know, enhancing performance, the things that we highlight on the show all the time. We've talked to you numerous times before uh, about some of the different challenges and uh, uh, some of the changes. Again, you know, you mentioned the magic word education uh, for parents and coaches, especially with young athletes. It's such a big deal um, to – get these families and coaches to understand that we want to prevent as many problems as we can. Might be a pearl from the sports doctor. Make sure we're paying attention to those foot mechanics. Right, Dr. Sean? <laughs> hey, man, we're always checking feet in the office, Bob. It starts it from the ground up. You know, it's interesting, the uh, tremendous progress, and I know you're a specialist in the or- uh, uh, arthroscopic world, 
where years ago these giant incisions and the development of being able to go through small incisions has made a huge difference in uh, recovery time, hasn't it? It, it has, and it's, it's amazing how we were able to sort of take something like an ACL where we used to give a patient a 10 or 12 you know, uh, inch incision, and now we're doing it through small poke holes, and you know, it, it certainly speeds up the recovery, the cosmesis. A lot of these are young athletes, uh, and again, really just the overall well-being to get them back onto the field. You know, one of the big challenges, uh, Doctor, I'll call you Dr. Sean since I'm Dr. Bob, <laughs> is overkill. Is you know, as we both watched in our careers, this tremendous physical and mental pressure on these kids to push through, to maybe not complain, so they won't get pulled out of the game, or they won't might miss the schedule, uh, and the uh, again the education, uh, which is so important, and again in prevention and screening, as well as giving athletes enough time uh, to recover from injury. It's still a big challenge, isn't it? It is, and it's something where it's a delicate balance, and that's where the appreciation for the athletic trainers at these schools is, is so huge because they know the kids. They're able to read their body language, understand you know when something's real and maybe something might just be uh, a little played up. And I think that interplay between the athlete, the trainer, and us as the physicians is huge to sort of keep them on the right track. You know, you work with families, of course, with these young kids, uh, parents. You know, it's chapters in my book, man, hashtag a sports parents. How's your sports psychology skills, my friend, with the parents? I'll tell you what, Bob. It's something that's a bigger component every year that goes by right now. A lot of times, you know, it's not the athlete that's looking to get back on the field right away. It's the parents, whether it's financial because they spent a lot of money for a showcase tournament or, you know, I hate to say they're living their dream through their, their, their child, but these are all real considerations. And sometimes we need to sort of stop and listen to the athlete and listen to what they're saying. Uh, so it, it's a lot of a lot of psychology that goes into this, not just you know, MRIs and X-rays. Are we still looking at four, five to one girls to boys ACL knee injuries? Yeah, I mean it, it depends on the sport, depends on the athlete, but there certainly has been a shift uh, in, in that number of, uh, particularly when it comes to gender. Yeah, I'm glad to see the. Uh, I've been screaming about that for like 40 years, give or take a few weeks. You know the biomechanics. Wider hips, different knee angle, uh, and many times neglecting again the foot mechanics and uh, the constant attention uh, to the only the uh, uh, area that hurts. I mean, we're we're in a, uh, a time where there's Tommy John surgery on 14 year olds, right, Doctor Sean? It's nuts. There is, and there's a lot of misinformation out there that you know getting your elbow fixed at you know 14 or 15 will lead to throwing the ball harder when you're older. Uh, it's it's just not true. It's not little big league. It's not like the, that movie years ago uh, for the Cubs. Uh, it's something where you know a lot of athletes don't come back uh, from surgery. Most times in, in that age group, surgery is not necessarily warranted. So it's important to sort of you know examine our patients, let them heal, which is always harder uh, to do than, than anything else, and then find the right patients that need to be fixed. Is there a website, Sean, where people can get any information on you and the orthopedic department at the, uh, at the hospital? Yeah, uh, so it's actually my name. So it's www.drshawnmcmillan.com. Doctor is with a DR. Uh, and we have a lot of information up there about cutting-edge things we're doing. We'll post, obviously, this broadcast up there and uh, ways uh, for patients to be able to contact us. Yeah, what are you excited about and some of the different um, advances you've made in the surgical world, uh, especially uh, with the, the, the incredible attention with this, these knee surgeries? 
What are some of the things that are exciting you with progress? Yeah, so we've been at the forefront. We're part of a couple clinical trials uh, looking at ACL surgery and ways to enhance it. So we're used to the things we've been doing now, but we've actually incorporating something called the BEAR, B-E-A-R ACL, where we can actually save uh, an individual's ACL and repair it and let it regenerate naturally. Uh, and that's been, it's been fantastic. It's sort of been a breakthrough surgery for us. Um, we're early on, but our first 14 or 15 patients are doing quite well. And I think that's the future, Bob, which is saving the ACL rather than replacing it. You know, it's interesting, again, with the uh, uh, used to be a year off and this tremendous pressure, you know, many times between the families and the coaches and the team, especially with serious athletes, to get them back sooner and sooner and sooner. Yet, we know that there's a, a, a definite time that's necessity for healing and whatever. What's in general the recovery time now uh, for uh, post-ACL uh, surgery for an adolescent athlete? Yeah, so most of our ACLs, I, I tell them up front, you're not getting back on the field before nine months, and, and that's the earliest. Uh, and if you look at any pro athlete, they're, they're more towards a year, depending on the position. Uh, but I tell them, look, expect to be out nine months, but really you know, it comes down to the strength that you exhibit in the leg, uh, neuromuscular control, uh, and that's stuff we start looking at you know, from the feet working their way back up. Uh, but you know, the idea that someone's going to get back in, in six months and be anywhere near where they need to be to safely get out there, it, it just doesn't really exist. Um, so it's a delicate conversation we have with the parents and the athletes up front. Yes, yeah, a definite mental challenge. You know, my guest last week, uh, Rob Andrews with the Institute of Sports Performance in Houston, Texas, he's got a wall of gold medals with the Olympic gymnastics uh, uh, women's team. His specialty is, again, post-injury, post-surgery, the mental side of things. You know, getting these families, these kids, these coaches to understand they need the time to recover uh, in order to be able to come back as safely as possible. And uh, I guess the more serious the athlete, uh, sometimes the, the more the challenge your practice, you're dealing with all sports, boys and girls. Uh, I, I guess, uh, how young do you see these kids where you're even talking prevention, Sean? Yeah, so we, we start doing prevention training you know, somewhere around the age of 12, 13, depending on the sport and uh, the activity, uh, just because that's what we're seeing. That's when growth spurts are happening, particularly in our females. Uh, the, the hormones obviously lead to more laxity in the knees. So we're trying to catch things early with ACL screens and then sort of re-education. Um, We'll do orthotics for many of those kids, particularly if they have varus or valgus malalignment. And then it's neuromuscular training, trying to get them to be safe. You know, I don't want to brag or anything, but I, in, in decades, I can count on one hand how many females I've seen with an ACL when they had orthotics in their shoes uh, when it was functional. Mm. And adding that uh, to routinely to these girls because of the biomechanics, the hormonal differences, the angle differences, uh, where we see... Uh, that often, if the feet don't hurt, it's neglected. I'm glad to hear. Maybe it's the fact that we've had you on various times. <laughs> you're bugging you, you know, about the uh, the foot mechanics side of things. Uh, the prehab programs, and you've been in the middle of a lot of these, have really grown dramatically, haven't they? Is again in, in prevention, screening, everything from what's the best shoe to you to what kind of training you're doing. Uh, this has become very important, hasn't it? It has, and I give the example when I give some local talks. When you're buying a new car, you look at the safety profile of the car, you look at the, you know, the miles per gallon, you look at all those things. It's the same thing when you're going out, getting out there for a sport. You want to know, how can I prevent myself from getting injured? Should I be wearing a certain cleat on a turf field versus a grass field? You know, all those things are, are really important uh, to sort of take your, your skill level, which is obviously there, 
and protect it to the next level. You know, it's interesting. It still remains today the two things everybody cares about, Dr. Sean, is levels of sports medicine, especially with youth sports. Number one, can we prevent problems? Can we stay out of trouble? And number two, absolutely, we're indicated, can we enhance performance? Step two, quicker, better balance, better stability. And these are the things uh, that we find doesn't matter what the sport or age is. This is why I tell athletes, I don't care what your sport is. I don't care what your level is. Strengthen those feet and ankles and work balance. And you guys pay a lot of attention to that, don't you? We, we sure do. It's important to get the shoes off and examine them and look at the whole sure, body. Give me the, give me the site again. People can go to find out about you and all your work. Yep. www.drshawnmcmillan.com. www.drshawnmcmillan.com. Thanks so much, Sean, for joining me. Sorry for the glitch. Hold on. We'll be right back, everybody. Hey, everybody, it's Dr. Bob Weil, a sports doctor. I'm excited to announce the release of my new book, co-written with Sharky Zartman, Hashtag Hey Sports Parents, an essential guide for any parent with a child in sports. You know, Sharky is a former Hall of Fame volleyball player. She's the mom of two daughters who became Division I volleyball players. Together, we have over 70 years of combined youth sports experience. Goal of the book? Give you the essential tools and guidance to make your experience as a sports parent the best it could be. Hashtag Hey Sports Parents is divided into four sections. The first section, Sports Parenting 101. Sharky talks everything about uh, parenting, about coaching, that whole uh, interaction between parents and coaches, coaching your own kid. Uh, what's What are the things to really pay attention to? The second section is the Sports Doctors In, yours truly. Uh, my discussion of injury prevention and treatment, choosing the best shoes, youth sports and drugs, essential exercises, the dilemma of youth football, orthotics. Third section, uh, experts speak out. We bring together eight different experts in nutrition and sports performance and mental training in all aspects of coaching in that section. The last section is the parent's perspective, some insights from about a half a dozen parents of athletes. So everyone, hey, get out your megaphone, spread the word. Now available on Amazon. Order now. You'll be more confident. So will your young athlete. Hashtag, hey, sports parents. everybody, Dr. Bob here. LER, Lower Extremity Review Magazine, is celebrating their 10th anniversary. It's been a decade of providing key uh, clinical and practical information about concerns, conditions, and treatment solutions for the lower extremity, both sports and non-sports alike. LER is the only multidisciplinary publication for doctors of all specialties, educators, therapists, and trainers. They inform practitioners on current developments in the diagnosis, treatment, and prevention of lower extremity injuries. LER prides itself on editorial integrity and evidence-based content. Their tagline, collaborative care for better outcomes, says it all. Hey, colleagues, go to LERmagazine.com.
Facebook.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back live from Chicago. It is the Sports Doctor. I'm Dr. Bob Weil, sports podiatrist. And we want to welcome Dr. Erica Steele. She is a holistic natural medicine public health physician. She's an author and speaker. Dr. Erica, welcome to the Sports Doctor. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Give us some background on yourself and the world of uh, holistic medicine. Oh, man, how much time we got. Yeah, I've been, I've been in um, natural health care for over 20 years. Um, I'm in general family practice, um, and I have six degrees in my field. They're all in the natural health care space. And I really, you know, it's ahead of the kind of the trend of, of holistic medicine, as I know you, you were definitely. Um, and I just found a real need in, especially in family practice, really teaching people from a holistic perspective because it's never one thing that a person needs, right? Um, it's always a combination of things. So I work with patients on their physical health and well-being, their environment, like their boundaries and their work-life balance and all of that, their mental state, so their limiting beliefs and subconscious mind work, uh, as well as their emotional health and intelligence and well-being, their spiritual connection, their intuition with self and their higher self, uh, as well as even ancestral trauma, which I'm fascinated about, and I, I do a lot of work in that area. You know, it's interesting how, um, and I've had Eastern and Western medicine on for decades before uh, American medicine knew how to spell it. <laughs> we would have <laughs> right. that integration, uh, you know, and the, the new explosion of mind-body medicine, the yeah. very important inclusion of spiritual, I call it spiritual medicine, where people used to say, what are you mm-hmm. talking voodoo? And now, you know, right. the importance of the, the whole the whole person, uh, you know, I like to tell people all the time that the new medicine is, is, is eat smarter, keep moving, and reduce stress. Uh, and yep. it doesn't mean a pill or, or an injection or surgery necessarily, does it? No, it really doesn't. And it also isn't about replacing a pharmaceutical with a supplement either. Like people come into my office and they got these big bags of supplements thinking that something outside of themselves is going to fix. You made a big point, Dr. Erica, where you people come in thinking supplement is the, mm-hmm. you know, is natural and holistic medicine. Uh, talk a little bit more about how you try to integrate the whole person in uh, your practice. Yeah, so the first part is it's slowing people down because people come in like driving 85 miles an hour and they're like, okay, so I'm here. I want to get well. All right, what do I need to do? Give me a a to-do list. And I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Let's get the nervous system calmed down a little bit. (laughs) Um, Let's start there. Let's let's start to get present. And because I take a lot of data, I take over 350 data points on each individual patient. So it, it is a little time consuming in the beginning to get all that structured around them. And, you know, we really want to work on getting them slowed down. We work on re-regulating their nervous system, getting them to sleep, getting them out of hypervigilance. And then that's all without a supplement. We then also work on their food, right? Because I'm not going to supplement a bad diet. And so we work on, we educate them about their food, and then we'll add the supplementation. I think we're just all programmed to believe that 
it's something outside of self that's that's greater than self that's going to Well, you know, it. one of one of the things we talk about on the sports doctor for decades, Dr. Erica, is the fact that in the United States especially if there's not a, a commercial on for drugs television, then there's a commercial on mm-hmm. for dieting. And it's just ad nauseum, and this is just our culture. This is what it is. It's become such a big problem, the nightmare of pain medicines and all these other things, Mm -hmm. uh, and the fact and necessity of of education. And the the general medical community is including uh, a lot of what you're talking about more and more, but the challenge is still really out there, isn't it? Oh, completely. Well, because now you've, you're in managed care, right? So now it's like, oh, all those things are great, but I've got 15 minutes with this patient and I need to go over a whole litany of things and make sure they understand. And then, you know, patients, they have Google, so they Google a lot and they want to understand. And, you know, that can be a challenge too, as you're trying to educate them, treat them and reassure them all in the same time, which is why I left managed care, which managed care is just insurance based care. Um, you're literally on roller skates running around and, and not able to really, um, you know, treat the patient. Yeah, it's made it, a, it's uh, just not structured that way. It's made an uh, incredible difference uh, in the demand of time where people maybe have a 15, 20-minute visit. Uh, of course, everything's been compounded times 100 with the pandemic and the whole uh, COVID uh, situation. And there's been a lot of attention to natural and holistic medicine in that world, hasn't there? Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, and, and, you know, forgive me for saying this, but it caught a lot of people with their pants down because people were not paying attention to their health, right? They weren't eating well. They weren't working out. They weren't doing the necessary things. And so now this, you know, virus comes in and, and their bodies just weren't really able to withstand the impact of it. And so not to mention just the whole quarantining part that people with you know, unresolved emotional challenges. Now they had to deal with themselves and look at themselves. And then there's a refrigerator handy to soothe myself. So, you know, it really, and then, you know, I didn't really like the guy that, that lives with me. <laughs> so yes. there was a lot of dynamics going on all at once. And But I think it's all necessary. I think it's beautiful, actually, because it really brought people's attention to, wait a second, I think there's more things in life that, that I need to be focused on rather than just, you know, surviving. Well, I think that natural medicine, you know, we would talk with uh, uh, acupuncture and massage therapy and anti-stress uh, strategies, all of these things, rest and recovery, the importance of sleep. We include all of these people in the umbrella of, uh, of the whole of the sports doctor uh, world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but enhancing our immune system is, you know, such a big deal today. And that's right in your wheelhouse, isn't it? Oh, my gosh, yeah. And you know what's so funny? People are still so conditioned. Well, if I don't have a symptom, that must mean I'm okay, right? So I I look at everybody's CBCs, right, and their, you know, white blood cells low, their neutrophils are high, their acinophils are high, and they're like, oh, I feel fine. And it's like, or or they get a cough or cold or or flu-like symptom, and they just, you know, water and rest, and that's fine. But you still have to really support the body through that whole process. You can't just ignore it. Not to mention the fact that the majority of the immune system is housed in the digestive tract. So what you're putting in, but also how you're digesting, assimilating, and then also eliminating. There's some people who only have a bowel movement maybe one to two times a week, which is clearly unhealthy. 
you know, there's been tremendous emphasis on, you know, that no one would ever use the term gut health, gut health. Now, of course, it's uh, a real, real important uh, catchphrase. You know, the whole world of nutrition has exploded uh, uh, and uh, over the years in its importance. I mean, it's not a team that doesn't include serious attention to nutrition. Uh, medicine has paid big, big, big attention, although kind of reluctantly and slowly, this is a big part of a holistic natural medicine practice, isn't it? Oh, yeah, and especially the liver. I think, too, a lot of people don't put as much emphasis on the liver and liver health because we're being bombarded so much by all of the toxic exposures from our air, our water, our food, et cetera, and it all filters through the liver. So not only is the liver responsible for detoxification, it's also responsible for metabolism. And so, you know, that's what, like, Grand Central Station in there. And so making sure people also develop good organ health and hygiene and they're detoxing their bodies, you know, twice a year. We recommend spring and fall just because the transition and season. What's the website uh, or info people can go to to find about you and your work? Yeah, they can Google my name, Dr. Erica Steele, but Holistic Family Practice is um, my practice site, and then DrEricaSteele.com is my media site. Right, S-T-E-E-L-E. L-E. In order to get yeah. uh, information, you know, the whole area of public health, of course, it's exploded with such tremendous mm-hmm. attention because of the challenge of the virus and uh, uh, everything that, uh, that came along uh, with it and the importance, again, of education and uh, yeah. how much I call it the mental game, uh, Dr. Eric, on the sports doctor. Again, whether you're the best athlete in the world, whether you're their parents, whether you're their coach, uh, whether you are uh, the, their teammate, uh, so much whether you're trying to stick to your you know, exercise program, whether you're trying to follow the directions of Dr. Steele, it's all such a mental game. Now, holistic medicine pays much more attention to that side, don't you? Oh, yeah, for sure. Because we, we recognize resistance, right? So it's education, it's coaching, and then accountability. And there's that resistance that comes in, especially when change happens, right? Most of us, you know, they've been doing, we've been doing the same thing 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. So now here's this little, you know, dreaded girl telling you, oh, everything that you learned up until this point was wrong and change it, and you're looking at them like, or you're looking at me rather going, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, we definitely look at resistance, and, and I put a lot of things in place, like biofeedback. We also use biofrequency, which is Eastern medicine, and we bring those things in to clear any resistance around change and the resistance around getting well, which is so important. What is the, the, uh, your uh, uh, attention to the world of pediatrics? I treat a lot of kiddos, right? And so when, and I treat children very different, right? We treat them not from the perspective of like, oh, you're over here, right? And I'm here to poke and prod you, but rather you're involved in this treatment plan. And what does it mean to be healthy, right? Even, you know, of course, when I look at little babies, I'm checking for things with their skin. A lot of babies are having a lot of liver issues these days, so I check those. You know, and we want to get the function, and we're really educating the parents because a lot of parents coming in, honestly, are clueless. And so then as they get older, we're teaching them boundaries. We're teaching them uh, how to handle their emotions, what it means to be healthy, their water, their food. And we teach them as they grow up to take ownership over their health. So by the time they're like 10 or 11, they're actually doing their own health care appointments. 
They're answering the questions because we've taught them from the ground up how to be a proactive member of their healthcare team rather than just kind of waiting until something happens. So we teach them about education, emotions, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I want to talk more. You know, we've been talking for 20 years on the sports doctor to give and take a few weeks, the whole world of childhood obesity, all of the challenges, all of the concerns that go along with it. And I want to uh, talk, bounce a little bit of that off you when we come back. We're talking with Dr. Eric DeSteele, a uh, holistic natural medicine. It's a sports doctor. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. MVP Parent Magazine is special. Evidence-based topics on all areas of youth sports. Rich Dubin, a sports dad himself, takes his three decades of publishing he just celebrated the 12th anniversary of the acclaimed LER Lower Extremity Review magazine, one of sports doctors' key supporters, and he pours it into MVP Parent. Factual evidence-based info on such key topics like physical and mental training, nutrition, injury awareness, treatment, recovery, and prevention. I am proud to be a contributor to MVP Parent with the Sports Doctor is In article in each issue. Go to MVPParent.com mvpparent.com. Hey, it's Dr. Bob. School Uniforms by Tommy Hilfiger is setting a new standard within the school uniform market. More schools are understanding the value that uniforms provide, school pride and identification being one of them. Another is a well-recognized reduction of student pressure to keep up with classmates in the real world of what to wear each day to school. School Uniforms by Tommy Hilfiger provides amazing quality and value to its partner schools and families. It is truly the first brand in this market that students are excited about wearing. Go to the website, globalschoolwear.com, globalschoolwear.com. Hey, everybody, we're back. It's the Sports Doctor. I'm Dr. Bob Wild, sports podiatrist, and I we're running a little bit late on the live show. We had a couple of glitches. We're speaking with natural medicine specialist, Dr. Erica Steele. Before the break, Dr. Erica, I had mentioned uh, uh, childhood obesity, the world of obesity, uh, where we're still treading water. It's such a challenge. Uh, they actually had to change the name of adult onset diabetes to type two because of all of these kids. Um, what do you see and uh, what's your uh, 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 opinions on these, this obesity and childhood obesity challenge? Oh yeah, well, I think unfortunately it's systemic and it's passed down, right? So the parents typically are obese, you know, or overweight or they carry unhealthy habits, right? And so then they pass that down. Or the other extreme where the parents are so hyper into their health and so super focused and the kids are like, I'm rebelling. I don't want to have anything to do with this. And so we kind of see both. I see both sides of it, right? And so we, we don't want to pressure the children. We don't want to make them feel like something's wrong or bad. But we also want to gently help them to understand what exactly that they're doing to themselves and the choices that they're making. I think 
this generation especially is dealing with a lot more pressure, both mentally as well as emotionally, than some of the other previous generations. So we're leaving out of this kind of survival mechanism and getting into more presence in terms of their mental and emotional state. A lot of them are using food to counteract that. And then access to unhealthy food is just, you know, unreal. And so there's a lot of different dynamics uh, involved with childhood obesity. You know, with all of the attention, again, to health and wellness and so much of the different educational aspects uh, that uh, we try to uh, uh, participate in, uh, the I always felt, uh, I wrote an article in 2008 for the school systems. It was called, Let's Get These Kids Walking. I wanted to get that included in the curriculum. Good luck to you in getting the schools to change anything. Uh, <laughs> right. And, you know, but in, in the challenge of public health and all of these uh, great, things that uh, that you're talking about in overall health, how has the school sector and the um, townships, the municipalities, the public health sector uh, uh, made changes uh, that you find positive? Well, I think that they're more open to different, you know, um, perspectives right now, whether they implement those perspectives, that's a whole nother thing. Um, you know, we're, we're going to trip over ourselves in red tape, but I think that they're more open to speakers coming in. I know I've done a lot of work in like elementary, even in middle and well as high school where I've gone in and, and done, you know, teaching education on various topics from mental health to physical health to uh, food. I think the more that you can engage kids into the experience of being healthy, um, I think the more that they're more apt to it rather than kind of talking down them or talking at them. I think that's uh, just definitely a bad way to go. Um, I think the administrators, honestly, are so stressed. And then, obviously, that's a trickle-down effect to the teachers. And the teachers, especially with COVID and all the different restrictions and all the different ups and downs and lefts and rights, you know, I feel like everybody, the entire system in the educational sector over the last couple of years has just been so taxed and so stressed. I think that there's a real need for more structure um, in the, the educational system, especially as it, it pertains to all health matters, not just, you know, physical health. You know, one of my frequent guests, Teresa Powers, who instigated national and international Kids Yoga Day, probably six, seven years ago I had her on. I have her on once, twice a year. Uh, hundreds of thousands of kids in 50 countries spending a day uh, in April in participating in yoga for all of its physical and mental benefits, again, with the idea of exactly what you're talking about, getting these kids to learn some activities that both physically and mentally can make a big difference. You know, bullying is such a big problem. Mm -hmm. Obesity is right smack in the middle of, of mm -hmm. all of that. It's one of the main reasons for bullying uh, with kids is this whole obesity challenge. So, again, we go mm -hmm. back uh, into the importance of getting the schools and municipalities to include uh, more and more of these natural medicine inclusion uh, uh, methods uh, in, in the, uh, the, the different programs. So I'm glad to hear that you're getting some good reception, although the challenge is still gigantic, isn't it? Oh, my gosh, yeah, it's so huge. And, and I think sometimes it's easier in the private school 
sectors than the public school sectors because there's not as much of that bureaucracy. But one of the things that came to mind was is there's actually a little Quaker school that's here at the oceanfront. And what they do, it's it's so beautiful, the concept, right? So they bring once once a week, they bring the entire school into the auditorium and everybody just has like a moment of silence a moment of just peace, meditation, breath work, that kind of thing. And then when they when they go to decide different things, like they did a um, they wanted to redo the um, playground, right? And they actually got the feedback from all of the students. So what it does is it creates the sense of belonging. It creates it teaches problem solving. It teaches compromise. It teaches the school as a unit to work together as a team rather than this kind of dog eat dog, every man and, 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 you know, girl for themselves sort of thing. And so we really want to bring people together rather than tearing people apart, which of course, I mean, look around. I mean, that seems like what's happening just in our country right now. So I think, you know, if we can get more of those things implemented into the schools, I think that, you know, not only we can see just the, the benefit, benefit on the individual level, but also on a collective level as well. You know, the world of sports medicine, uh, from the professional athletes uh, to youth sports, which we pay such attention to here uh, on the sports doctor, uh, is something that really has uh, encapsulated so much in the world of natural health. Chiropractic medicine, massage therapy, acupuncture, rest and recovery, all of these things that have become so important in the world of sports at all levels uh, uh, really uh, has so much to do with these um, natural and holistic methods uh, have you seen a lot of that? I have really, where sports medicine has really incorporated uh, the natural medicine side big time. Oh, yeah. Well, especially, too, because people want competitive advantage. They want to optimize their bodies. And in order to do that, you have to do it on a biochemical level. Um, so that looks at your nutrition, your digestion, your assimilation, but then also to your recovery, right? So that's where, you know, some of those muscular skeletal modalities like the chiropractor and massage therapy and rolfing and various different uh, manual therapy techniques to really help optimize that. But the other thing I want to kind of throw out there is really maintaining the nervous system. A lot of people don't realize that when you are putting your body through that extreme, I'm going to have to cut. I'm going to have to cut you off. I'm going to have to cut you off. I'm going to have to cut you off on that wisdom, the nervous system. Now, the Dr. Erica Steele, they can Google you and find out about you and all your good work, right? Of course, exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much. I want to thank you so much for joining me. Hold on, Erica. Everybody, we'll be right back at the Sports Doctor. UK Health Radio. The station that makes you feel good. It used to be hard to find the world's most wonderful alcohol-free drinks. Not anymore. Whether it's a health thing a lifestyle thing, or you're trying new things. Make sure you save yourself from the guessing game of the supermarket shelves and shop with zerozilchzip.co.uk for the world's most carefully curated range of alcohol-free beers, wines, spirits, and more. Health Radio listeners can save 5% with the code HEALTH5. Visit zerozilchzip.co.uk or click our banner on the UK Health Radio website. 
Discover alcohol freedom with zero zilch zip. Because nothing's better. UK Health Radio. The station that makes you feel good. everybody, Dr. Bob here. LER, Lower Extremity Review Magazine, is celebrating their 10th anniversary. It's been a decade of providing key uh, clinical and practical information about concerns, conditions, and treatment solutions for the lower extremity, both sports and non-sports alike. LER is the only multidisciplinary publication for doctors of all specialties, educators, therapists, and trainers. They inform practitioners on current developments in the diagnosis, treatment, and prevention of lower extremity injuries. LER prides itself on editorial integrity and evidence-based content. Their tagline, collaborative care for better outcomes, says it all. Hey, colleagues, go to lermagazine.com. Hey, everybody. MVP Parent Magazine is special. Evidence-based topics on all areas of youth sports. Rich Dubin, a sports dad himself, takes his three decades of publishing. He just celebrated the 12th anniversary of the acclaimed LER Lower Extremity Review magazine, one of sports doctors' key supporters, and he pours it into MVP Parent. Factual evidence-based info on such key topics like physical and mental training, nutrition, injury awareness, treatment, recovery, and prevention. I am proud to be a contributor to MVP Parent with the Sports Doctor is In article in each issue. Go to mvpparent.com, mvpparent.com. Hey, everybody, we are back. It's the Sports Doctors In segment. We review some upcoming guests answer a few emails, and a little bit of Bob Guider wisdom. Everybody, if you want, go to the sportsdoctorradio.com. Go to my website. If you go to radio shows, you can go back years. What were the topics? International, national, local guests. You can listen to whatever you would like. You go over the newspaper articles and magazines. You'll see an array of different articles and topics and subjects. Some of the writing we do with Lower Extremity Review, MVP Parent Magazine. There will be some changes to sportsdoctorradio.com. Uh, so uh, go to the website. Great shows coming up, as always. Next week, one of my podiatric friends, Dr. Matt Barkoff, a podiatrist, physician, and surgeon, will return. And we're going to talk stress relief with Dr. T.D. Foster. Following week, Larry Gregan and his rescue dogs. It's interesting how many schools and teams include the rescue animals for reducing stress, relaxing the team. Uh, interesting topic. And then surgeon Dr. Samantha will be joining us and again talking about uh, some of the different um, stress challenges that uh, they face. Bob Guida made a point funny years ago uh, in being cautious about stretching. He always questioned how effective static stretching was 
and whether it was preventing anything and whether it was sometime uh, injurious. I remember back in the early 80s, he started writing and talking about it. Boy, they came after him. Every physical therapist and athletic trainer, strength and conditioning coach. He just thought there was a better way um, uh, where we were um, uh, overstretching and causing laxity or looseness of joint connections was something that um, uh, today is paid very, very big uh, attention to. Some emails. Uh, Mary says, my 11-year-old son loves soccer. He plays almost year-round. It's probably the second or third year he's had trouble with his heels. You know, Mary, it's the um, most common problem with children is the large growth center at the bottom and the back of the heel. That growth center is not mature in boys till about 15 or 16 years old, girls maybe 13 or 14 years old, and it's susceptible to stress. One of the things that always irked me over the years was soccer, very early, these kids have cleats, and the cleats sit right underneath the growth center. So get out of the cleats, get into a multi-nubbed, all-purpose shoe, number one, and also see podiatry. Um, when there is a foot imbalance, like excessive foot pronation, flat feet is an example, uh, then we're adding extra mechanical stress to the growth center by side-to-side -side stress. Uh, and this is something that we really want to pay attention to, especially if it's chronic, like you mentioned. Orthotics can really, really help reduce the motion that's aggravating pulling on the attachments of that the growth center. So change shoes, see podiatry. Um, Denise asks, are bunions inherited? Uh, you know, Denise, the uh, deformity, the dislocation, the development of that bump along the side of the big toe, uh, the bump itself is not what's inherited. The foot mechanics many times are inherited. Uh, my surgical career in the past, some we would see a bunion corrective surgery on a 65-year-old grandmother, her 51-year-old daughter, and her 20-year-old daughter. And we started paying much more attention to the biomechanics and the foot mechanics that many times are inherited. We catch it early in early adolescence. We can intercede with true correction, orthotics correction, and many times make a positive difference we had seen great success over the years when we would add orthotics very, very early, 10, 11, 12 years old, when we saw that prevalence in the family, something that you want to pay attention to. So uh, parents and grandparents that have been dealing with bunion deformity, is very successful surgery today, uh, but if we could treat it conservatively, prevent it from uh, becoming uh, more aggressive, it's something uh, we really, really want to do. Uh, Jeff mentions that his 13-year-old daughter plays serious volleyball. She's been playing with jumper's knee. Uh, again, Jeff, you want to make sure that her biomechanics are checked. Over the years, with all my work with the famous sports performance volleyball team, I can't tell you how many times we used orthotics for knee problems. Half the females and young girls I see as a sports podiatrist are knee concerns. So this is something you really want to look at. Besides all the rehab or the physical therapy that you're doing, you want to um, see podiatry. You want to check, is she in the best shoes? 
You also want to look seriously, especially if the jumper's knee, the knee inflammation, the knee tendonitis is persistent, even if her feet are perfect, orthotics can really, really help, and you want to pay uh, attention to that. Um, uh, Len talks about his 16-year-old son. He plays baseball. He says it's proactive um, to include massage therapy and chiropractic care, and absolutely, Len, it is. Um, I have had numerous chiropractic physicians. I'm a sports doctor. I'm a big fan. I think it's a very important inclusion for any athlete, let alone youngsters, for prevention and enhancing performance. We want to pay attention to that. So, uh, everybody, we'll catch you next week. It's the Sports Doctor. Thank you.